0: If all you want for Christmas is a movie podcast, you are in luck. This is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. So we're going to do this thing or what? I mean, is this happening? You can't escape December without a bit of Oscar bait. Christian Bale stars as Dick Cheney. How good to see you've returned from hell. I'm sure you shall pass through it one day.
1: Have something
0: of mind? Yeah. Some kids films today wreck it Ralph is back to break the internet. It's wonderful to see you. Yes it is, isn't it? And Mary Poppins is returning in Mary Poppins Returns, this time more Mary. Well, what could be greater than a king. A hero. Boxing Day delivers more than just something for the kids. There are two films this year hoping to bust the block. Marvel's Aquaman and a new interpretation of Sherlock Holmes from comedy's brilliant dum-dum Will Ferrell. Watson! Oh! What a looker, right? She is stunning. (gasps) Hello, hello, hello. My name is Kyron Wheatley and I've seen heaps of movies, but none of those. Luckily, Vary McIntyre and Michael Campbell both have... So many films to get through today, we're gonna section them off into a few different categories. Oscars, family friendly, blockbusters. As always, we have a Village Cinemas Gold Class double pass a little later on, this one from Santa. But first. What do you say? I want you to be my VP. I want you, you're my vice. Well, George, uh (laughs) I'm the CEO of a large company. I have been Secretary of Defence, and I have been White House Chief of Staff. The Vice Presidency is a mostly symbolic job. Uh However, if we came to a uh, different understanding... The Oscars will be rounding out the award season in Feb next year, which means in December... All the films that are for your consideration pop up on the silver screen. And we've got a couple today. First up, the man who played Bruce Wayne has found an even better disguise in his weightiest role yet, literally. Christian Bale disappears into Dick Cheney in Vice.
2: Yeah, so another one where Christian Bale ruins his body. (laughs) He had to gain like 45 pounds for this one. I'm kind of scared for him. I'm concerned (laughs)
1: between the machinist machinist and the fighter he lost lost a bunch of weight. Put on muscle
2: for Batman, got fat for American Hustle, got skinny again, got fat again. I think he used a nutritionist this time. He said he was a lot more conscious of his health, (laughs) which Dick Cheney was not apparently because he was prone to having heart attacks. Dick Cheney, as hopefully we all know, Not a very nice man politically was the vice president to George W. Bush, and we get to see all the wheelings and dealings behind the scene and how he became the most powerful VP in American history.
1: This is Adam McKay, director of The Big Short, and in the same way that The Big Short takes – Kind of a complicated thing like the global financial crisis and the housing market falling out, and presenting it in a really concise way for everyone to consume mm. and making entertaining. This very much does the same. The American politics behind how Dick Cheney rose to power are very convoluted and confusing, but he kind of strips away everything. He'll explain it very concisely, and it's kind of weirdly fun.
2: Yeah. <laughs> The point of difference with this one is that there's this weird dark humour over all of it. So it's narrated by this unrelated character that we don't know who it is until later on in the story. He's in a couple of scenes but he does a lot of voiceover And it's this sort of absurdist comedy. Like at one point halfway through the film, they do this fake ending. Credits start rolling with a nice happy music and the family's all like, oh, and they lived happily ever after. No, they didn't. And then it goes on to this really dark political scene. So it's got this weird edge to it. It's not like the dry political movies that we're used to seeing.
1: Yeah, it's not a bunch of stuffy guys in suits talking morals in a mm. mahogany room. They really make it kind of accessible. But here's the biggest selling point, I think. Sam Rockwell, recent off his Oscar win for Three Billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, plays uh, George W. Bush. And it is so funny. He He wears... Christian Bale really kind of disappears. This is a real caricature of George W. Bush. It's everything you remember him being, the kind of the southern guy who's a little slow on the uptake, but he He, is a real scene stealer.
0: Which is a clever way to go, I guess, because everyone knows George W. Bush. Yeah. So, like, to play him... To disappear into that character would be too serious. Yeah, exactly. You've got to turn him into a character as opposed to Dick Cheney, who's something you kind of know, but it's kind of better to play that one by disappearing into that character.
2: I guess that's the comedy aspect to it as well. He's this sort of comic relief anytime he comes onto screen because we've got all these other serious characters as well. Amy Adams from lots of movies like Arrival, Steve Carell. Beautiful Boy, one of his last films. They're really serious characters.
1: It's always interesting seeing which version of Steve Carell you're going to get. Yeah. You get one of two, don't you? <laughs> yeah. You get serious Oscar Steve Carell
0: and then you get like broad
2: comedy Steve Carell. You get him
0: in almost every Adam McKay film. You do. Sure. yeah, <laughs>
2: That's true, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is most of the crew from The Big Short as well. Even producer Brad Pitt is producing yeah. this one.
0: You're a kinetic leader. You make decisions based on instinct. I am. Mm. People always said that. Yeah, yeah. Very different. Very different from, uh, from your father in that regard. Now, maybe I can uh, handle some of the more mundane jobs, overseeing uh, bureaucracy, managing military uh, energy, uh, foreign policy. That sounds good. So who should see this film?
1: If you're a fan of the big short or those kind of like esoteric political satire comedies, this is so good.
2: Yeah, if you like the Golden Globe nominated movies with some really good cast, really interesting story take on it.
1: It is important to make new friends in court, is it not?
2: You're so beautiful. Stop it. You mock me. If I were a man, I would ravish you. (laughs) You have become close to Abigail.
0: She is a viper.
2: You're jealous. You must send Abigail away. I do not want to.
0: Let's shoot something. Everyone is talking about Yorgos Lanthimos. Ever since, he made a movie called The Lobster, in which Colin Farrell was forced to go to a hotel and find love or be turned into a lobster. And from his last film, Killing of the Sacred Deer, it looks like Colin Farrell is in all of them. Is he hoping to be turned into the favourite this time? I know Colin Farrell isn't in this no. movie. <laughs>
1: But Rachel Weisz is. Uh, She's been in in a couple of these movies.
0: And she is, at
1: the start of the movie, the favourite. So this movie is about Queen Anne, who's occupying the throne at the time, and her favourite is Rachel Weisz. She's kind of the counsellor to the Queen. And then in comes Emma Stone, obviously La La Land, Oscar winner, as a kind of idealistic but slightly manipulative young hand to the Queen who's suddenly her new favourite. There's a bit of a rivalry going on there.
2: Similar vibe to The Lobster, but not... As absurdist, it's this world that's the same as ours, but everything is slightly different, which makes it unfamiliar. Like the language and the interactions the characters have are decidedly not 18th century. Like there's a ballroom scene in which the dancing resembles like a Monty Python skit. The gowns are more 21st century haute couture than 18th century. There are just aspects of it that kind of pop out at you that you're just like, okay, this world is a little bit different.
0: Sort of like the Armando Iannucci take on Russian politics with the death of Stalin a little while ago where it's not quite from the era that it's set.
1: Yeah, it? similar to that. Like I know, for instance, that one, people just had their regular accents and stuff yeah. like that. This, you very much need to know what kind of movie you're going into because mm. it is not... It's
2: not a regular period drama. It's not
1: Elizabeth. You know, It yep. is very much a film by a very specific filmmaker that has a very specific kind of odd, esoteric
0: weird vibe to him yet you say he's toned that back because i mean with his second film i think it was his second killing of the sacred deer he almost went more absurd more weird than the lobster but this one's a little bit more
2: pop it's a traditional period piece linear storyline real human characters but just the little edge of something different to make it unique
0: none for the queen what what you cannot have hot chocolate your stomach The sugar inflames it. Abigail, hand me that cup. Do not. I'm sorry. I do not know what to do. Oh, fine. Give it to her. Then you can get a bucket and a mop for the aftermath.
2: So I didn't know a lot about Queen Anne... Except that she was the first monarch to rule after Great Britain had been unified, Scotland and England and Wales and all that came together. And she was a bit batty, Mm. which I'm not sure if they took more creative license with or is this historical. She's got gout, so she's quite sickly. And she's like this... She's a little bit like immature
1: as well. Let's talk about Queen Anne, because she's played by Olivia Coleman, who traditionally started in like English comedy, like Peep Show and stuff with Mitchell and Webb and whatnot. This is... another queen in
2: the crown at the moment. yeah, Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah. This is such a huge performance. Rachel White's great. Emma Stone, great. Olivia Coleman's like on a whole other level. I've followed Olivia Coleman's career for a long time. I've never seen her this good.
0: Well, then, why? And I am outraged by this Mm -hmm. because this is a three hander, two nominated for a Golden Globe. Mm -hmm. Olivia Coleman snubbed. I know that. Imagine getting that phone call. You haven't, but your two <laughs> co-stars have. Yeah, it, it, this is this
1: is what I'm scared of because I know uh, for Oscar consideration they want to nominate her as leading actress, which they should. But then there's the dark shadow of Lady Gaga looming over. Her first film knocks it out of the park. I really want her to win, but I'm scared that she's going to get overshadowed by Lady Gaga's performance, which was also amazing.
0: And also overshadowed by the fact that she didn't get the Golden Globe nom. I'm
1: out. All awards are dumb. (laughs) But the Golden Globes, you can pretty much pay for a Golden Globe at this point.
0: It's just interesting that you say that she's the standout performance. There's one other standout
1: performance, which I'm also surprised wasn't nominated, which is Nicholas Holt from About a Boy. He is the boy that it's about.
0: Oh, he's all grown up.
1: He's all grown up. When we came out of the screening, if people weren't talking about Olivia Colman, they were talking about Nicholas Holt. Because he is really funny in the worst way. <laughs> he's just a real terrible person and he looks like he's having the time of his life playing that role. We should advise as well, I know this is a period film and, and it's got all the things you might think of a period film. I would advise, like for instance, my grandparents, I'm going to tell not to see it because there's a lot of swearing and there's quite a, a lot of sex and sexual innuendos and whatnot as well. So in that way, it's almost like a modern... It's it's like a period film for younger people.
0: So not your grandparents. Who should see this film?
2: I think it'll appeal to a younger audience. Yeah. I really enjoyed this one. It's got a lot of political and sexual intrigue. But if you like absurdist comedy, I felt like it was Spike Jones meets Monty Python.
1: That's a really good way to explain it. Yeah, Spike Jones meets Monty
0: Python. That's it for Oscars. Next up, Family Friendly.
1: This is what's called the dark net. Are you sure this is safe? Just whatever you do, do not look at his little brother. Oh, his little brother? <clears throat>
0: What are you doing here? <clears throat> the reason I came to your neck of the face. I mean, there's a face in your neck. I mean, woods, neck of the woods. Every year, the movie business throws a bone to the kids' market at Christmas time with more than their usual share of PG rated cash cows. Think Moana, Red Dog, Red Dog 2. And actually, speaking of sequels, this festival season is no different. We have two, starting with Wreck-It Ralph, Ralph Breaks the Internet.
2: So Ralph Breaks the Internet takes place six years after the last movie, Wreck-It Ralph, about a video game character. And in this one, Little Vanellope's game breaks and she and Ralph have to travel into the internet to find the piece that will save her game.
1: I'm not even going to bury the lead here. I had so much fun with this movie. More than I reckon... God, maybe I've had all year just <laughs> wow. just like it, it this did is you what like I like the first it. one I did I really like the first one, but this is what I like in a movie is when they get uh it's also internet culture for example, when they get it right mm. you know sometimes you'll see a movie and it'll have internet jokes and you're like you don't know what any of this is <laughs> you're trying to cash in on something. But this gets a lot of things about the internet really hilariously right, like pop-up ads always coming up and annoying you, and clickbait articles and things like that. It, it's done in such a, a unique way. It's a like bunch pop-ups,
0: of like that stop the movie sort of thing.
1: Uh, they stop the characters walking. So the characters will be walking through the internet. Someone will come up and be like, "Lose belly fat with this one weird trick." <laughs> yeah, right.
2: Yeah, it's like what the emoji movie was trying to be. Yes, and yeah, they yeah, didn't do it very well, and this one just hits it on the head. It's really hard for sequels to live up to the original. And not many do. This one really did. People
0: love those references. I mean, Spider-Verse we are talking about last week mm-hmm. that goes so deep in the references of comic books.
1: Yeah. Meme culture is pretty big in this one. I do suspect, kind of like Shrek in, in nowadays, this won't age super well. Because if, if you watch Shrek nowadays, it's all jokes about the Matrix and yeah. things that were relevant in the early 2000s. And I reckon if you watch Ralph Breaks the Internet in five years' time, you would be like, oh, yeah, remember when that was a thing? But as of now, as of 2018, 2019, it's probably the most, like, current, refreshingly up-to-date
0: internet movie. I watched Shrek the other night because it just came on Channel 9. <laughs> and uh, have you checked the graphics of Shrek lately? <laughs> Ooh boy. <laughs> yeah. They are
1: early on. Yeah, it's like it's like rewatching the first Toy Story as well. Yeah. You're totally. Like for 95 this is great, but ooh. Ooh.
2: <laughs> Well, this one really updates it for younger kids. And what I feel like it does is teach kids how the internet works. And uh, remember those I need that like as the, well, I the magic school bus and like how my body works when you were little and you have to anthropomorphize these characters to teach kids this is how things work so these individual characters vanellope and ralph go into the internet which is we all know it's just wires and things. Actually, I don't know how it works. but (laughs) And it's this whole huge world. So Google's actually this giant building and they go to eBay and that's a building and there's all these little stalls and they just walk up and they start bidding on items and things like that. It's all just so, yeah, the, the mechanics of it is just everything is real. There are actual people running the internet behind the scenes.
0: The Magic Omnibus. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's one of those films... I uh, think Omnibus is an internet term. That feels like it's floating around in my head as an internet term. <laughs> but I don't understand the internet, so maybe not. <laughs> I
1: mean, ironically, you could Google it. <laughs> oh, hello, sir. Interesting. You don't seem to have a search history. Well, let's start one for you. What can knows more help you find today? Um, Umbrella. Umbridge. Umami. No. Noah's Ark. No Doubt. No words from ah. Ergonomics. Urban Outfitters. or er- cool Looks like no one put Humpty Dumpty together again. This guy's a little soft-boiled.
2: I'm pretty sure he's just trying to guess what you're going to say.
1: Yes, I'm sorry, but my auto feel is a touch aggressive today. Who should see this film?
2: If you like animated movies with those little life lessons and the good morals like Toy Story, just something cute and colourful and really funny.
1: It's got that double layer where the adults will get, you know, they'll laugh at Instagram being an art gallery, but the kids will love Ralph and Vanellope and that whole relationship. And
2: the Disney princesses. And are, the Disney princesses. <laughs> Bucks and mares, cubs and does, welcome
1: to our show of shows. It is my great honour to introduce this evening's renowned guest, the one, the only, Mary Poppins!
2: Sing for us, it Mary Poppins! No, 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 no. Come on, have a go. No, I haven't sung in years. Please, sing Mary for us, Mary Poppins. Us please, do sing for please. Please. Oh, No, I couldn't possibly. D-flat major. Yes,
0: in great news for 10-year-old Kyron, Mary Poppins is back with about a kilo of sugar. This is
1: the long-awaited sequel to Mary Poppins, a little history. The author of Mary Poppins didn't love the movie and they had to kind of wait until she passed away before Disney were allowed to make another oh, one. Oh, that's
0: sweet. Uh, isn't it? <laughs> so this one's set decades after... Disney are all about family <laughs> and values, aren't they?
2: Well, she actually said that the rights could be used as a stage play if the original filmmakers weren't involved. She particularly hated them,
0: so this is neither a stage play and it's the same filmmakers yeah.
2: <laughs> but this one
1: is set decades after the original, and Mary Poppins returns to help the bank's family, who are now the children are now grown up. she's going to help them save their family home. This is 90 minutes of just pure whimsy and magic and singing, and it actually feels old-fashioned <laughs> like that's a weird kind of sentiment to say, but it feels like it's of a
0: different generation. I mean, obviously the most terrifying thing is that they would ruin all our memories,
2: right? Yeah, because I'd heard Disney originally wanted everything to be computer animated and the director actually had to fight them to say, no, it needs to be hand-drawn. So all of the original animations mm-hmm. that you have in the first Mary Poppins and that colliding of a cartoon world with the real world would have been completely different if it was animated. And I'm really glad that they stuck to that original feel. And I think as
1: far as casting, you can really
2: tell how likable someone is.
1: He is. He is great. Great news. And, and also, here's you can what I love: Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> plays a uh, a lamplighter. He wrote Hamilton. on He the wrote West Hamilton, end, yeah, and he Broadway. the music for Moana and stuff. Yeah. And he has quite a bad English accent, <laughs> quite deliberately, because originally in Mary Poppins, Dick Van Dyke had famously a horrible Cockney yeah. accent. So he even right, he, governor. yeah, he, he kind of hands it up in that kind of way. He's like, "Hello, Mary Poppins," you know. <laughs> but I think it goes to show how likable someone is because Mary Poppins is and always was Julie Andrews, and it goes to show how likable Emily Blunt is, that she is the only person that is acceptable to replace Julie Andrews as Mary Poppins. Oh,
2: yeah, she did a great job. And I know that Julie Andrews had said that she like approves of her taking over the role, and that was such an honour for Emily Blunt because it's such an iconic role. Mm. I think she did a really good job. The songs as well. I think it's going to be hard at first for people
1: to kind of adjust because you've grown up watching Mary Poppins a million times and you know the songs, and these are new songs coming in. So I think it always takes a moment to adjust. So when I saw it originally, I was like, oh, yeah, the songs – I liked them but I didn't love them as much but then I've been listening to them more and more and you just need to kind of sit with it for a while, I think, because it is a new part of something that you've
2: grown up with. It is a sequel rather than a remake but it's the same sort of story so it's a little bit different, not too different. Close your mouth, please, Michael. We are still not a godfish. Good heavens, it really is you. You seem
1: hardly to have aged at all.
2: Really? How incredibly rude. One never discusses a woman's age, Michael. Would have hoped I taught you better.
0: I'm sorry, I didn't we came he- back.
2: I thought we'd never see you again.
0: It is wonderful to see
1: you.
2: Yes, it is, isn't it?
1: Who should see this film? I think if you grew up with Mary Poppins, as I think, I mean, pretty much everyone did, this is a really fitting sequel that actually lives up to the expectations that people have of a Mary Poppins sequel.
2: Or if you've got young kids or you know some younger kids who you want to introduce to the Mary Poppins, instead of them watching the original, this is a really good new one. It's just happy, colourful, fun kids movie. Or if you love the cast, you should
0: probably see this film.
2: Absolutely. I mean, you've got Meryl Streep's in there
1: as
0: well, Colin Firth, Emily Mortimer's got a great cast. Normally, Christmas blockbusters are about Christmas in some way or another, whether that's the Santa Claus or a more subtle version Die Hard (laughs) <laughs> Would you call Hard? subtle? I don't know. This year, it's a couple of new franchise hopefuls. Let's start with Aquaman. Ever since Christopher Nolan wrapped up his Batman trilogy, DC has struggled to match Marvel in the superhero stakes. So, can a fishman save DC from floundering?
1: My father was a lighthouse keeper. My mother was a queen.
0: But life has a way of bringing people together. We could unite
2: our worlds one day. Check it out. Arthur is talking to the
0: fish. I've been looking for you.
2: Your half-brother, King Orm, is about to declare war upon the surface world. The only way to stop this war is for you to take your rightful place as king.
0: Trust me, I am no king.
2: This is about Arthur Curry, a.k.a. Aquaman, who must face up to his destiny and challenge his half-brother for the throne of Atlantis before Atlantis starts a war with humans.
1: To contextualise this movie, if you had watched Batman vs Superman, which was as grim as the day is long and dark and gritty, and this film and nothing in between, it looks like DC's just put the car in reverse, that the 180 turn has gone completely opposite direction. This is so bright and so colourful and really kind of kid-friendly.
2: I don't think it takes itself seriously. I hope it doesn't. It kind of chops and changes between this is so epic and he's so cool and this yeah. is like Aquaman is the best. But then also, you know, there's a scene where Aquaman breaks into a submarine and does this, like, beautiful look over his shoulder and goes, permission to come aboard.
1: Yeah. You you and I disagreed a bit about scenes that we yeah. – you, you were like, no, that was a joke. And I was like, I don't know if it was a joke. <laughs> like, or maybe they think it's cool. This reminded me of, like – the coolest comic book film from 1999 in some ways Mm. because before he says permission to come on board, there's like a guitar solo lick. He goes... (laughs) But it knows what it's
2: doing. Like, it did that on purpose. It's like, yeah, we get it. He's Aquaman. It's kind of yeah. dumb. Yeah.
0: You don't accidentally have a guitar solo no. in the middle of
2: it. The- <laughs> Aquaman has famously been made fun of as a comic book character, kind of like Spider-Man was as well before he joined the Avengers. But now that they've rebooted these characters and made them cool, and I think that's probably why they chose Jason Momoa as Aquaman, yeah. to make him look cool.
0: You don't want to make fun of him, do you? Yeah.
2: <laughs> so you want take to take up the him? point?
0: Because Vary just said Spider-Man was uncool. Do you have anything all to say? Oh, right. my my roboto. How yeah. dare you, Vari?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a bit. Peter Parker is on cool, but Spider-Man is very cool. <laughs> yeah, sure. Push my glasses back
2: up. Nothing.
1: Of course it's not working. It's been sitting here collecting dust since before the Sahara was a
2: desert. Before the Sahara was a desert. Oh, let's just say you do your best thinking
1: when you're not thinking at Alright, now hold still. Hey, what are you doing? We need water.
2: You're the closest source.
1: Because we see all of the comic movies that come out. The cynical part of me can see all the things that have worked from comic book movies in the last two years in this film. So yeah. very much like a Black Panther kind of vibe to it as well. Yeah, the hidden city, the fight for the throne and things like that. Uh, he's not really of the world but he's kind of the leader of the world. You can mm. s- I, It would be crazy to think that that wasn't
0: an influence being like it made – a billion dollars. Yeah. It's interesting that the movie doesn't take itself seriously because that is also the public's opinion of DC. (laughs)
2: Yeah, and I think they've really changed it around with this one. Like, again, as we said, it probably isn't that serious. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's a bit silly in parts. But also they're trying to make it like a cool action film and it walks that line. But overall, I really enjoyed it. My biggest problem is I don't love the Jason
1: Momoa kind of surfer bro take on Aquaman, but that being said, Aquaman in the comics has changed every couple of years. Sometimes he's a real kind of a a bit of an arsehole. Sometimes he's kind of naive about the world around him. So this is just a different take on it.
2: Yeah, and your opinion is wrong.
1: I loved it. I understand he's very attractive. Don't get me (laughs) wrong. But the whole like, my man, yeah, all right, yeah, that that kind of thing, after two hours or so,
2: you're like, oh, come on, (laughs) stop wearing leather bracelets.
0: Through Byron Bay, is it? Yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) Who should see this film? If you want an action movie with great visuals, and I know a lot of people are just going to watch this for Jason Momoa. Yeah. You'd be right. <laughs> That's fine. Or oh, like
1: me, if you're a bit of a comic book nerd. I mean, it's. I think it's law that you have to see all of them.
0: <laughs> also in cinemas this week, Bumblebee. Yes. The prequel to the Transformers series. And Colette.
2: a Knightley's movie about a French author.
0: You can hear about both of those by clicking on the previous episode in whatever podcast it. Ip. ip. <laughs> <laughs> you're in right now. Over the Dutch.
2: Solve this case in four days or I will kill the Queen.
0: Signed, Professor James Moriarty.
1: Come, Watson, we have a killer to catch.
2: Yeah, no shit, Sherlock!
0: <laughs> Bit of context, a few years back, the world marked 100 years since the death of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, which also happens to be the exact number of years when the copyright ends. So, Hollywood celebrated by writing 5,000 scripts <laughs> for Sherlock Holmes. And one of those was Will Ferrell's and John C. Riley's. But Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law got in first. They are obviously happy with the time that has passed because Ferrell's out-and-out comedy is coming to the screens.
1: Yes. At first, I wasn't sure about this movie, and we should say that it hasn't screened yet, so we only really have what we know about it to go on. But when I heard that they were rebooting it with Will Farrell and John C. Riley, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it, I guess. But then watching the first trailer, I, mean, I do admit, I love how silly they went because one of the, the running conceits seems to be modern things interpreted into Victorian era. For instance, in the trailer, they're taking a selfie, but they're taking it with the big photo box at the end of the big tripod and the big flashbulb. And there's a scene where they're drunkenly telegramming someone asking if you up, you know, things like that. (laughs) I, I like how silly they went with it. So yeah, Holmes and Watson. So what it's essentially about is there's been a murder in Buckingham Palace and they've got 12 hours to find who did the murder or the queen is going to die.
2: Normally, I don't like Will Ferrell comedies like the last time. That is like
1: all
0: comedies at this point in Hollywood.
2: (laughs) Okay, so. And Kevin Hart. (laughs) Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, they do a lot of movies together. That humor from when they did Step Brothers, those sorts of films, not really, maybe my cup of tea. Mm. And I do like Sherlock Holmes stories. We've had so many. I think this is the sixth one in the last decade. So there are so many, but they're all very serious. Like Karen said, you don't have to pay for it anymore. You don't (laughs) have to pay for it. And I like that they've taken that funny route of it, I guess. Like nobody's done that since. I think there was a funny one in 88 with Michael Caine. They did a comedy version. And while I don't like Will Ferrell's style of comedy, from the trailers I did Think I might enjoy this one. I'm the same. Generally
1: broad American comedy isn't necessarily my cup of tea. Mm. But there are like, several scenes like um they say Sherlock is a master of disguise and he puts on a mustache and Watson's like, oh, My God, where's he gone? You know, things yeah. like that.
0: So it looks like they're playing with the tropes that have been yes. set up by all yes. these other movies and TV shows.
1: Here's what I like about it is they have Moriarty in this film, the arch nemesis of Sherlock Holmes but played by Ralph Fiennes who yeah. genuinely even in a dramatic version is a great choice Voldemort. for Moriarty yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have two days left to
1: live Solve this case Your Majesty, would you mind if we had a picture together? Watson, who's going to take the photograph? I will take it, you see, it's sort of a self-photograph. He's a real fan. I swear, I never do this. So this five years ago would have been directed by Adam McKay because he did Step Brothers, he does a lot of Will Ferrell comedies, but this is directed by Eden Cohen, not Ethan Cohen of the Cohen Brothers, but Eden Cohen who has written pretty much every American comedy in the last 15 years. He's like a real veteran of
0: American comedy.
2: Right, Men in Black 3, which was one of my favourites.
0: And if Adam McKay is anything to go by, in 10 years' time, we'll be going for best film (laughs) at the Oscar. So who should see this film?
2: I think it's one of those ones where you just grab a group of friends and it's just a bit of silly fun. You just have to go along for the ride.
1: I will admit, like I said, it's generally not my cup of tea. I genuinely kind of want to see this.
0: For your chance to win a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass, go to Facebook or Instagram... And leave a comment on the Cinema Crew post answering the question... The year's come to an end. We want to know what was your favourite film of the whole year. You can win the tickets. Next time, quite a few films. How exactly do you train a dragon? Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne star in Instant Family. So you just out of water. M. Night Shyamalan has gathered together Samuel L. Jackson, Bruce Willis and Sarah Paulson for his new clip. If you haven't heard about Margot Robbie's performance as Queen Elizabeth, you will want to hear about Mary, Queen of Scots. Played by Sosha Ronan, by the way. Do you remember reading Storm Boy, the classic Australian tale about a pelican? They made it into a movie in 1976, and they have remade it into a movie for 2019. Anyway, that's it for this week and the year. Get all those films in two weeks' time. Until then, thanks, Cambo. Thank you. Thanks, Vari. Thanks. I'm Kyron Wheatley, and we'll see you, or at least your girls, next week on The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas.